Hello, this is Robert Stearns. Hey, I want to thank you for tuning in. I really believe that learning is one of the greatest joys in life. And one of the greatest ways to learn is simply to have meaningful conversations, both with those who come from a similar background as yours, as well as those whose background might be very different. So my hope is that as we connect and converse with leaders from all around the world, that we will learn and grow together. If you're new with us, hit the subscribe button and we'll deliver the new episodes to you right away. So wherever you are, on a run, in the car, at the kitchen table with some coffee, welcome to the conversation. I met Rabbi Vogel and then I figured out who he was. And ladies and gentlemen, this rabbi serves as the president of the Rabbinical Assembly of the International Organization of Conservative Rabbis. Essentially, essentially, he is the head rabbi of the conservative Jewish uh, movement. For those of you who are not aware, just like within Christianity, there are many, many different movements within Judaism. Uh, there is Reform Judaism, Conservative Judaism, Orthodox Judaism, Modern Orthodox Judaism, Hasidic Judaism, Chabad Judaism, Breslov Judaism, Satmar Judaism, Unaffiliated Judaism, etc., etc., etc. And uh, and Rabbi uh, is the head Rabbi of the Conservative movement. He is a best-selling author uh, on the Ten Commandments. Uh, he did not write the Ten Commandments, though his mother thinks he might have. Uh, but he wrote an amazing book on the Ten Commandments called The Significance of God's Laws in Everyday Life. He has four amazing children, and he joins us tonight from Los Angeles. Rabbi Stuart Vogel, sincerely, we are honored during these high holy days. You have so much to do. You have so much on your plate. And here you are hanging out with some non-Jews tonight. Welcome tonight to the Bishop and the Rabbi. My pleasure. I'm so honored to be here. I think maybe I was the only rabbi in America who would come this week. I maybe I maybe that's how I ended up here. Um, it is a, it is a busy week. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, it's it's for real. I mean, this is this is like this is like Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, New Year's, and Easter all rolled into one in these ten days right now for the Jewish population. It is. So we are. The spiritual time, we just finished, as you said, Rosh Hashanah a couple days ago, and now we are fully into, uh, as you said, Sunday night and Monday for Yom Kippur. Absolutely. And then, and then coming after that, we head into Sukkot, right? And into the Feast of Tabernacles. This is it. Now, I don't know if you know this. In the, you know this for sure. In the Bible, this is the seventh month of the, of the biblical accounting of time, the holy month. And so right. that's why it all began with, you know, the first of the month to the 10th of the month to Sukkot, right? The Feast of Tabernacles. And then this holiday called Shemini Atzeret, which no one can really figure out. And there's a great, I don't know if you know this, there's a great rabbinic tradition that asks the question, where did Shemini Atzeret come from? And it comes from, a, they give us Midrash, a tradition that says it's compared to a story of, God, of, a, of a king who gathers together all the citizens of the kingdom and say, it's, we're going to celebrate for seven days. And they eat and they drink and they have such a great time. At the end of seven days, the king says, you know, stay for just one more day. 
And according to the rabbis, that's Shemini Aser, the tenth, the eighth day of celebration as we have in the Torah, because no other explanation is given in the Torah about this celebration. Well, it, but it's an excuse for a lot of good eating. I'll tell you that because, <laughs> because there's a lot of good feasting during these times. Well, Rabbi, we are so excited. And, and beloved, we are tonight, we are in Deuteronomy chapter 32, all right? We are concluding Devarim, Deuteronomy, which is literally the words, okay, the statement. And Deuteronomy is the retelling of all of this story through the lens of Moses. It's Moses' voice, Moses' telling of this epic. Uh, I mean, who has influenced planet Earth uh, more than Moses? I mean, just extraordinary what he brings forth. And so turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 32. The name of this Parsha, if I'm saying it correctly, is Hazinu. Uh, and Hazinu means literally to kind of listen in. We're, we're eavesdropping tonight. We're listening in. We're hearing uh, this these, these words of Moses. But Rabbi, there's something very special about these words of Moses. Um, these words of Moses are not words that are spoken, but rather words that are there's it's kind of poetry. It seems like when I read it, it always seems to feel like you should be singing it a little bit. Um, but yeah, Ha'azinu, give here, give give ear, if you will, rather. Um, as a powerful, right, these are the concluding chapters. And in fact, this is the last one that we're going to read right on a Shabbat. Because after that, we're going to wait at Simchat Torah. I, you'll, you'll know that we finished the Torah and then we started all over again. We start from Genesis. Which that's my favorite, uh, second favorite. I love Yom Kippur in Israel, but to be in Israel on Simchat Torah and to see them oh. carry out the Torah scrolls and oh. literally all over Jerusalem, they're dancing in the streets, carrying the word of God. Uh, this is an absolutely uh, incredible, incredible holiday to experience, especially, you know, in Jerusalem because the, the synagogues are so tightly packed together. You know, it's, the whole city is kind of there dancing. They, all all take, they take their Torahs and they take them in the street and they dance around. It really is a wonderful celebration and, uh, and it's a great message, right? We're never done studying Torah. We finish it. And the very day you finish it, you're like, you don't even wait another day. We read the concluding verses and then we read the beginning verses of Genesis. Fantastic. So Rabbi, take us for now tonight to Hazinu. Uh, Moses is bringing this song. He's bringing this um, this poem, and we're listening. And I love you said, you know, to listen, to hear. And to me, it kind of reminds us, right, of the Shema, which is really the definitive prayer. Hear, O Israel. There's so much, there's so much in the Torah about Hashem asking us to be a hearing people, that, that we're really dialing in. We're really, we're listening not only for what's happening on the temporal plane, but we're listening for that transcendent plane. We're listening to hear kind of the, the highest vibrations that are coming from the divine essence. We want to we want to capture that. So we're we're listening in. And so tell us tonight, what, what is Moses saying? These are his 70 verses, his the 70 uh, line, there's 70 lines to this poem, this song. What are some of the key themes of Moses' life that he's leaving with us in these last words he's uttering? He it's to me, this is such a an appropriate conclusion uh, for me in the book of Deuteronomy. I don't know about you, Bishop, but Moses is, is a sad character to some degree because first of all, you know, he knows he's not going to be able to go into the land. Um, and he, and he, and these are his children. And like children, he knows that they're going to stray. 
And all through it, he says, look, I know you're not going to listen to God. I know you're going to end up getting punished. I know that right, this is what you're going to do. And yet um, you're going in. And it's why I love this beautiful connection with the high holy days and this idea of forgiveness of chuba, which you so eloquently explained as being the return, return to the right path. And so Moses continues along with this theme of he's really cautioning them and warning them and trying to prepare them as best he can as they're, they're about to enter into the land. And, and, you know, it probably would have to be a whole other program, but you mentioned Moses and I, I, I can't always kind of have help but having this sense of frustration with Hashem that Moses doesn't get to go into the land. I mean, there's really, I'm like, really, God? You know, just because he struck this rock, you know, he doesn't get to enter in. I mean, that, that in and of itself is, I think, a complex moment for us to understand, you know, no matter how good we are, no matter how much we've accomplished, there are certain things in life that, that have to be left for the next generation. Right. I think that's important. Just what you said. The, rab the rabbis, you know this, you know, you've studied enough about Jewish tradition. The rabbis are always challenged by these parts of the text that they say, like, that does not seem fair. And, you know, it's Abraham who challenges God about Sodom and Gomorrah. It's one of those moments where it doesn't seem fair. And so they do talk about you need a new generate a new leadership who's going to lead the new generation as they go in. Um, and by the way, letting go of leadership. Moses doesn't want to let go so easily. Right? What does it mean to let go and to let the next person right, be able to take over that leadership? There's a lot of drama that's built into this text. And yet Moses right, was the one who gave over to, um, to Joshua, right? who in front of the people, that was important, passed on the mantle of leadership. And when he said, you should be strong and have courage. It's so, uh, these sections are just so powerful. So, Rabbi, I, you know, I think that uh, religious leaders across the spectrum, whatever, uh, whatever religion, whatever um, denomination, I think that we're wrestling right now with the place of religion or the of organized religion within the modern world. We're living in a technological age. Modernity seems to be pulling the human psyche farther and farther away from a recognition of the divine. And I know a lot of denominations, a lot of religious groups right now are having a lot of conversations. What do we do to find our Joshua's? What do we do to find that, to, to inculcate, you know, desire and vision and leadership into the younger generation? And I'm sure that that's, you know, I'm sure that the conservative movement, like any other movement, is is having those conversations. What are a couple of the principles um, that you think are important in that Moses-Joshua moment? Uh, what, are, what are some of the guiding principles as we seek to pass on to the next generation um, some of these core principles that we hold so valuable? Uh, and yes, they have to be culturally understood and grown in each, each generation, but we don't want them to be lost. That's a great question. I've never been asked that question. And I love when I hear questions for the first time. But the, so Moses is, by the way, it's fascinating in the Jewish tradition by the, by the rabbis. Moses is not the preferred personality. Um, it's, they actually want, they actually get the character of Aaron. 
According to the rabbis, Aaron was ohev shalom, rodev shalom. He was a lover of peace, pursuer of peace. He's the one who's able to calm things down. Moses is the one who's right fire and brimstone. And, um, and that's the moment. In the wilderness, they need a Moses. And by the way, he needs a partner, Aaron, who, by the way, when he went to Pharaoh, had to speak on, on his behalf because Moses was not um, a man of many words, which is kind of ironic that you know this, that at the very beginning of his mission, um, he says, I'm a man of few words. I can't go to Pharaoh. And by the end of the Torah, he can't stop talking. Right? The whole book of Deuteronomy is just him imparting. So, um, but Joshua represents this, um, the, the ability to, to stand up in the right way against the forces who are contrarian. Right? He comes out of the story of the 12 tribes. It's him and Kalev who come back. And, and, uh, and Moses will stand up and create conflict very often. Joshua going into the land is going to have to bring the people together and he's going to have to figure out how do they cross over? How do they conquer this land? How are they going to work together? So I think that's an important um, concept. How, how do we all, what you said earlier, how do we all need to begin to work together and not in a fractured way in a country that seems to be fracturing us? I mean, it's so important. You know, it's amazing um, how many aspects harken back to that Joshua and Caleb moment. It's this, it's this pivotal moment in Jewish history that seems to kind of resurface over and over again um, in that, you know, Joshua and Caleb uh, brought back, it was a minority report, but it was the, it was the right report, you know, to, 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 to move forward. And so that's an amazing insight for us in looking at the next generation. We, we, we have to look at those who can speak faith, uh, who can speak hope in the midst of a difficult time, uh, and and who can, as you've just so eloquently said, you know, really look to unify um, and 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 bring us together as we cross into a new reality. Listen, folks, the reality is um, there's there's pre twenty twenty and post twenty twenty. Twenty twenty has changed America. Uh, we've gone through COVID. Uh, where we're going through COVID, we're going through a level of racial pain uh, in and upheaval in this nation that we have not seen since the Civil War. I don't think we've seen violence in our streets, you know, to this level. Uh, and we're about to go through what will undoubtedly be the most tumultuous, um, difficult election in modern history. And so, beloved, we must, in this hour, I think, go back and we must listen. We must be listening to God. We must be listening to our hearts. And Rabbi, today I was on the I was on the phone with three of my African American friends, um, and I just said, "Listen, all I want to do right now is 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 listen." I'm like, "Just talk to me. Help me. Help me understand. What are you going through?" What does this news report mean to you today? How does this impact you? What do I, uh, as, as a Caucasian, what do I not understand about, about how this impacts you? And so I just think, you know, what, you know, the, the <laughs> everybody's grandmother said, what God gave you two ears and one mouth. So you could listen twice as much as you, as you would talk. And so all of us, I believe would be well served, uh, to listen really to the Lord, to our own hearts, dialing in and, 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 and listening to our conscience and then listening to the voice of others. Listening does not mean agreeing with. 
um, Rabbi, there are times when Abraham and Moses and others listened to God, but they disagreed with him. Absolutely. Abraham argues, of course, over the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and Moses, uh, look at Mount Sinai. Moses, uh, God wants to destroy the Israelites before he comes down. And Moses says, don't you dare. And gives them a number of reasons, including what will everybody say about you? You redeemed them from Egypt. And now you just like all of a sudden you're done with them just because they, you know, they transgress out here. So I think you're right. Listening. Ha'azinu. Give ear. Um, it's such a mandate uh, yeah. to our country today. I agree with you 100%. Well, and, and Rabbi, you demonstrated that so powerfully when you got in a car with your entire congregation and you drove, God bless you, the freeways of Los Angeles, uh, you know, to come to that service. Um, you had to, you, you demonstrated for us sacred listening. You demonstrated for us coming out of your comfort zone. Uh, and, and frankly, Michael Fisher demonstrated that by, by laying the foundation of that friendship with you. You know, I was, I was the, I was blessed by the relationship that you both had already forged. And now thank God that's created a friendship for us. And, 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 and please God, you know, other friendships should come into place. And so beloved, I've been telling us, don't pray prayers unless you're willing to become part of the answer to the prayer that you are praying. Prayer is worthless and prayer is an affront to the Almighty unless there is in your heart while you pray the prayer a willingness to say, God, I'm willing to not only pray this, but I'm willing to do something. I'm willing to take some action that is then a part of the solution for what I'm praying for. In, in Christian scriptures, the book of James, faith without actions is dead. There must always be the action of faith. Uh, there must be the, the, the joining of faith and works together. And folks, one of the ways that you can do something strong by works during this high holy day season is helping us strengthen um, those who are in Israel, who are needy, uh, we have commitments to two feeding centers, one of them in Tiberias, one of them in Jerusalem. Um, dozens of you on tonight have physically been with me. You've been, we've cut up vegetables in the feeding center kitchens. You've been with me there. Uh, we're feeding hundreds of people a week. And they'll put the link in right now. If you've never made a donation to help a needy family in Israel, can I tell you that right now tonight, in the season of the high holy days, there could not be a better time for you to add action to your faith. Let me encourage you, make an $18 donation or $10 if you can't do 18, but they're putting that into the comments now that you can make a donation and help us feed a needy family in Israel. It is driving me crazy, Rabbi, that for the first time since 1994, I am not in Israel for the high holy days. I've been in Israel every single year since 1994. And this is the first year that I'm not there. And uh, But we can be there spiritually. We can be there with our prayers. I believe that as we study the Torah, we're there in spirit. Uh, Zion is also a frame of mind. Zion also is a frame of heart. And we can be there in our tzedakah, in our giving, uh, as, we, as we support and we send um, blessing to the Jewish people. All right, Rabbi, our time is slipping away from us. I, this has been an amazing night. I want you to take the last few minutes 
and talk to us. We've just come out of Shabbat Shvuah or Shabbat, Shabbat Shuva. And uh, Shuva is repentance. But as I preached Sunday morning, uh, and you can find it on the tab.org, uh, um, uh, repentance is not beating yourself up. Repentance is not staying focused on guilt, focused on shame. Repentance is coming home to your father's house. Your repentance is saying, oh, I, I got off the path. Let me get back on the path that is the best path that God has for me. One of the prophets wrote it beautifully. He said, ask for the ancient pathways. Walk in the ancient pathways. So Rabbi, talk to us about Shabbat Shuvah and this understanding of repentance. What does repentance mean for us in a modern context? Well, it's a great question. I love the idea. In Hebrew, by the way, the word for sin is hate. And that hate, not hate like with an H, but that chet. Um, and chet means literally to miss the mark. And so there's this acknowledgement in Jewish tradition that we humans, even the best attempts to direct our lives, we, we make mistakes. We get off that path. So the natural thing is to direct our ways back to Shuva to get ourselves back to that path. And in that direction, then, it, it, it's not sin in terms of something that's horrible, right, and unforgivable. Of course not. It's human from the very beginning. And it's what, it's what I love about this, this time of year. The idea that you can actually be forgiven and you can start anew is a transformative concept. You don't always have to live with that sin. In the Jewish tradition, by the way, if you've wronged somebody, you have to go to them and ask for forgiveness. You just don't offer it in a prayer. You have to go up to that person, say, I'm sorry for what I said about you or what I did. And if you can actually, if you can actually undo that act by if you've taken something to give it back, if you've said something to help make it better, you'd and by the way, then you have to promise that you're gonna not to do that action again. And so it's, this is Rabbi, the let me, let me interrupt you for a second and, and just let me drive this point home for a moment for everybody. Years ago, many years ago, uh, I was just starting out in ministry and there was a very famous rabbi. I will not say his name, but very, very famous, well-known rabbi known all around the world. And, um, he had some incorrect information about our organization, about what we were doing. It was just, it was inaccurate information. And um, I, I got a horrible letter, a threatening letter uh, about what we were doing. And we, he thought we were, it's a long story. It doesn't matter. So I got this letter from this, I'd never met the rabbi, by the way. I'd never met him. And I got this very nasty letter threatening a lawsuit, threatening all this stuff. It was horrible. And so I went to our archives and I pulled out the paperwork and I showed him, you know, respectfully, I'm sorry, here's this, here's that. And I, I cleared up all of his questions and showed him that he was misinformed, he was inaccurate, whatever he had in his information was not correct, etc. And that was I didn't hear from him. I don't remember when this was. All of a sudden, comes the first week of September, six months later, eight months later. I get a letter in the mail from this esteemed rabbi. I get a letter in the mail. I'm a nobody. I'm 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 a I, I'm a, you know Eagles Wings Ministries was me and my grandmother. Like it, I'm a nobody. I get a letter from this esteemed rabbi, and he says, "I cannot come to the High Holy Days and face my Creator on Yom Kippur 
until I apologized to you. I was completely in the wrong. I listened to bad information and I judged this without checking out the facts and I made wrong assumptions and I, I please cannot, uh, you know, uh, approach the high holy days without number one, asking your forgiveness. And number two, he puts in a check for $180. I want to support you in the good work that you're doing. So this is the integrity that the Jewish community teaches us that repentance is not simply a prayer between us and God, but it's making things right with those on the human level that we've wronged. That's right. And, and, and you have to, because you have to heal in order to be able to be forgiven you have to initiate. And uh, it's it, that's what, uh, for me and for all of us, we, we need to learn that. We, in this uncivil, you know, context that we're living in this country right now, when people can be so brutal with each other, so accusatory, so defam, you know, defamatory, it's, we need to be able to, um, we need to be able to apologize, to take ownership of our mistakes. Um, and then you can repair. Then you can sit down um, with yes. somebody. Yes, absolutely. Well, and we're we're very blessed, sir, that you have sat down with us tonight, and we've had a beautiful night sitting together around the Word of God, around the Torah, and um, uh, Eagles Wings, we're so happy you're here tonight. We're happy for our first-timers. Several of you have chimed in that it's your first time. Hey, everybody, do us a big favor right now. Number one, hit the share button. Everybody, share, share, share. Now, guys, I can go back and check on you and see which one shared and which ones didn't, can't I? If you want good points with the bishop, I need you to share. So hit the share button, get the word out there for us. Uh, and number two, get, go to Day to Pray uh, and uh, go ahead and follow on the uh, Day of Prayer for the Peace of Jerusalem a week from Sunday. It is coming up. Rabbi, do you have a... Uh, uh, an email list that you send out a weekly portion or how do they follow you on social media? Those who want to connect with you. You know what? I'm not a social media guy to tell you the truth. Um, I spend most of my time with my congregation here in Woodland Hills, California. And so uh, they can look on our websites for uh, sermons and other things, templealiyah.org uh, in uh, templealiyah.org and they can find me there. Wonderful. So it's Temple Aliyah, A-L-I-Y-A-H. And of course, Aliyah means to go up, to ascend. We're always ascending unto Jerusalem, and then we ascend to the Bema uh, to read the Torah, or we make Aliyah. We we uh, we return home to uh, Jerusalem. So um, thank you, Judith. Judith, share. <laughs> Judith hit the share button. She says, I got my points. Way to go, Judith. That's awesome. All right, everybody. We love you so much. Rabbi, this has been amazing. It. We're so grateful for you being here, sir. It's my honor. You be well. And and by the way, during this time of year, we say, Gamar Tova, which means you should be sealed for a good year. That's our greeting at this time of year. Well, that's so for all of you should all be sealed for a good and wealth and a healthy and wonderful year. And the same to you, sir. And I hope that you'll consider coming back and teaching us again. We'd love to learn more with you again. I can be my honor. Absolutely. God bless you. Thanks for dropping by everybody. And please remember, keep praying for the peace of Jerusalem. God bless you. Good night. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you want to learn more about Eagle's Wings or become a partner to advance this global movement, visit www.eagleswings.org. 
Make sure you're following along on Facebook at Robert Stearns and Instagram at Dr. Robert Stearns to stay up to date and get the latest on everything that is happening. Until next time, blessings and keep praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Jerusalem.